we've entered into territories that I was personally uncomfortable with over the years. And that dancing, longboard dancing is a case in point. We had uh, one of our uh, ambassadors, Adam Colton. He uh, was a filmmaker. He was one of the, we, we were the biggest brand on YouTube and biggest skateboard brands on YouTube in 2006 to probably 2008. And that was, that was first and foremost due to him making all these videos, but he was really into longboard dancing, which is like modern freestyle on these, at that point, 70 inch boards, these huge boards. And I thought it was, personally, I thought it was kind of kooky and bizarre, but you know, it's something he was passionate about and to like walk through that process with him and build what he wanted. And now it's a, I mean, it's a phenomenon, especially in Europe and Asia, it's starting to happen here in the US. Uh, there was a Lexus ad with this uh, one of these Korean girls who's doing these amazing uh, boardwalking. Uh, we've got these riders in in especially uh, Lotfi Lamali in uh, in Paris who does just incredible freestyle tricks. And you know, there's yeah, it's really 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 amazing where that's gone and where it's going. And it, it's 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 dynamic and it's changing. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Don Tashman, Director of Direction at Loaded Boards, and you're listening to Behind the Brand with Brian Elliott. Nice. Don, I usually ask my guests, how did you get this job? Uh, serendipity, I'd say first and foremost. I, uh, I grew up skateboarding in Los Angeles, uh, fell in love with snowboarding in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, went to college in New York uh, in the mid 90s and uh, studied literature and astronomy, but uh, spent most of college building skateboards as a way to get around New York City. Um, I then, uh, this is short story long or long story short, not quite sure, but um, ended up uh, doing a, working at, traveling a lot for a number of years. Uh, ended up back in New York in the late 90s, working for a dot-com. Um, had a number of different jobs, just kind of all over the place. Uh, had a hard time coming out of college when trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And my dad would always tell me, just get a job. I was like, how do I get a job if I don't know what I want to do? And he's like, no, you get a job in order to figure out what you want to do. So ended up at a dot-com in 99 uh, at the, you know, as the whole internet, the, the initial dot-com boom was happening. Um, very much right place, right time. Uh, had a lot of fun, traveled all over the world, uh, working for uh, kind of a precursor to Skype and Zoom, effectively. Um, and then, uh, but ended up bouncing around, starting off in, at that, that company, starting off in sales, getting into marketing, marketing analysis, tech. And then from there, uh, moved back to LA where my dad had a clothing company. And I had gotten a bunch of stock options and did uh, relatively well for a 25-year-old and used that money to uh, start a skateboard clothing company, which I did for a couple months, uh, which I recognized pretty quickly. I mean, I didn't, at that point, I'd been building my own skateboards uh, for about six, seven years. Uh, never really thought of it as a business. It was always just something I was passionate about. Uh, I loved, my dad was very, very adamant that I study either business or engineering. And once again, I studied literature and astronomy um, pretty much to spite him. And here I am today doing business and engineering. And, uh, and I love it. 
So yeah, so you sort of you did it the right way. You did it probably how every parent dreams their kid will do it. You got a real job first, instead of you know uh, pursued a path of professional skateboarding or something like that, like a lot of the other groms will do. Um, you got a real job. You made some money, and then you got into skateboarding. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, my dad was uh, was uh, you know he was a tremendous inspiration for me, uh, especially uh, well, especially after working with him. You know, him and I had a very different view of things, and we used to bang heads a lot when I was a kid, uh, and I didn't really understand him. But he said in uh, when I quit my job in New York uh, for the dot com. He said, come work with me and you can work with me part time. He was making uh, cheesy Hawaiian shirts at that point, which I had grown up designing and being involved in. Uh, but he's like, work for me part time and I'll give you an office space to do your own thing. But uh, he, he encouraged me very much to uh, to learn how to do things, to, to work for other people, to have these experiences first. And then when I came and uh, came and worked for him, it uh, within you know a matter of months, it was really him working for me, and he became uh, my CFO. He ran the business side; I was doing the creative side, uh, and I really uh, was very inspired. I mean, just I really started to understand him as as a person much more than I'd ever done because this was experiencing him in his in the environment that he was most passionate about, which was his work environment which was very much where he expressed himself as a uh, creative and uh, and I'd say uh, ethical human you know and that was very much very important to him to be very straight in his dealings uh, as he would describe it um, and you know him and I banging heads for all these years or not really understanding each other uh, working with him, having that opportunity to work for, with him for seven years uh, until he passed was uh, was a tremendous blessing. You know, it was, it was really an amazing, amazing opportunity for him, for me, both in terms of understanding him and to have someone there who was like unconditionally supportive of me, uh, who thankfully didn't, you know, as an immigrant, didn't really understand skateboard uh, culture, which probably was a blessing. So he... Um, didn't, uh, I don't think he understand, I definitely know he didn't understand the nuances of the culture because I'm not sure he would have been as encouraging of it as he was. Um, but he was tremendously encouraging throughout the process, uh, which is an interesting contrast to my mom. Uh, my mom was, is, I mean, she'll still get on a skateboard, but she started skating as a, as a little kid. She would take, uh, she grew up here in LA, moved here when she was four. And uh, she would take old roller skates and convert them into skateboards. And so my siblings and I all grew up with a skateboard in, around the house. And uh, like I said, she'll still get on a skateboard, which is terrifying, but uh, uh, obviously has been a huge inspiration. So, so a lot of people don't know about the Loaded Board's history origin, or even the fact that you were really the ghost in the machine for another brand called Boosted back in the day. Can you tell that story a little bit? Sure. Um, so, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell from the beginning. We, uh, in early 2000, when I moved back to LA, uh, we launched our first boards in 2002 and I put them, uh, I bought a Jeep with the money I made from the dot-com and I uh, drove up and down the coast selling skateboards. And one of the shops that we opened was a shop that's no longer in existence, but a shop, um, 
shoot, I don't remember, Black Diamond Sports. And they were right outside of uh, Stanford, like literally outside the gates of Stanford. And they, uh, they, they sold boards to the guys from Boosted when the guys in Boosted were in, doing a master's program in robotics to Sanjay and Matt and John. And uh, Constantine over there, we were close with, and he introduced us to those guys when he saw that they were, they were working on a project to develop an electric skateboard. This must be around 2014. And uh, 13, 14, uh, they came to us uh, at that point and said, hey, we're really interested in using your boards and your wheels for our, what we're doing. And uh, we uh, worked with them very closely for a number of years developing, um, helping them develop uh, decks and wheels and just also trying to, trying to be involved in their business. It was, I'm personally very, uh, very avid. Uh, I have a tremendous amount of interest in electric vehicles and in micro, micro mobility. I always have. And uh, I think it's, uh, and we're, as we're seeing right now, you know, in this kind of hopefully post COVID world, it's such a fascinating space. Yeah, and I was gonna say we, you know, it's funny that little how small the world is, right? Because uh, it was Matt actually who reached out to me, and I think it, I feel like it was more like 2012 that I met Matt as he was developing the boost board. He came out here to Southern California. At the time, I was running uh, my little production company, but I also had sort of a side hustle, which was I, I, I formed this action sports network of all of you know my past. Uh, former action sports relationships, you know, people I'd worked with over the years from Billabong, Quicksilver, Hurley, Volcom, you know, etc. Down here where I was living, or I am living, is the mecca of action sports. And Matt came down because he knew I had this community of like 10,000 people in this little private network. And he's like, hey, we're, we're launching this board and we want some help kickstarting it. And you want to check it out? And so he came down. He showed it to me. I rode around the parking lot, and and I was hooked. And I I feel like it was a loaded deck, like it was a bamboo deck and super. It was it it, it was a loaded deck. The the original board was done on a board that they bought from Black Diamond. I don't. You may be right on the date. It may be earlier. Um, but they had they had. Yeah, it it, it could be. Um. Could be, I'm well, and yeah. so, and I won't, I won't take all the credit. But I'll take some of the credit because we, we did help promote that board because I was super stoked on it, and it was like the funnest thing I had ever ridden at the time, and you know, helped promote it through the group several times. Their Kickstarter campaign obviously was wildly successful, mm -hmm. and then we sort of kept in touch over the years, and I eventually, you know, went up to Mountain View and I did the boosted board story on behind the brand all those years ago. Anyway, so I had no idea that that you were really behind a lot of it, all the hard goods, sans the engine, but like, you know, you were the, the deck, the trucks, the wheels, you know, all of that. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that we also were influential in some of the, the strategic thinking. They ended up going in a slightly different direction and going for, I, I had originally wanted to Kind of incorporate them in our brand and do it together, um, which uh, you know history shows may may have been a good idea, um, but uh, you know that's for each of us to decide. But they it was a fascinating time. They ended up going into much more of the um, venture capital side and trying to build something a lot larger, 
but they they did amazing things. I mean, it was uh, really really incredible. It's a, it was a whole movement, and and they were a pioneer in the sort of electric skateboard. I mean, they were the one, and they did it right for a long time. But talk about now how you're sort of taking or picking up where they left off and moving forward because. Loaded is not an electric skateboard company. I mean, to me, you're one of the last great independent skateboard brands. Um, there's been a lot of consolidation in the industry, but you guys are really one of the last independents. Talk about talk about the Loaded brand and what it what it means, what it stands for, and what you guys are doing. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, uh, you phrase it like that. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, we, uh, so we ended up leaving, uh, parting ways with Boosted in the end of, uh, 2018 and teaming up with a company in Barcelona, uh, Unlimited, make, who had this modular structure and modular system. And we're still, we continue to work with them, but we, uh, we've recognized that our, our expertise and our forte is much more on the mechanical side. Um, we've, uh, historically, uh, you know, our, our history is taking, uh, snowboard construction and, and snowboard technology and applying it to skateboards. And that's where we've been, uh, we brought some innovation into skateboarding uh, with other influences. I won't take all the credit by any means, but that was definitely our, uh, our, 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 uh, our approach. And it continues to be, I think the mechanical side for me is very, is this, uh, does this relate like to the, the flexibility of the boards, or is it like longboarding as a sport in general? Like, what are you talking about when you get your influence from snowboarding? Yeah, so both. Yeah, so both. Um, I think that uh, uh, the longboarding as a sport, you know, really started to grow in the in the late '90s. Uh, you had Sector Nine and Gravity at that point in San Diego. Uh, you had a couple guys. You had a number of people doing things in Switzerland, but kind of in a little bubble. But very little else was happening. And the whole concept of long, of skateboarding as a method of transportation and downhill and carving and all these things that weren't street or, or vert uh, was was completely unheard of at that point. And to me, coming from snowboarding, to me, that made a tremendous amount of sense. And I just didn't really, uh, it didn't compute to me why it hadn't been embraced. Um, and on, on that note, like the concept of flexibility, uh, I had you know spent seven years taking old snowboards and cutting them up and turning them into skateboards and seeing how that, that flexibility and that kind of uh, that uh, preloading, hence the name loaded of you know, creating these cambers, these, these dynamic structures, how that could be used to create these really engaging uh, visceral rides and experiences. Uh, one of the obvious obstacles to letting like the sport with quotes of longboarding go super mainstream is obviously it's very dangerous if you're going at high speeds we're talking 30 40 50 what 60 miles an hour right at some times and you, you got these riders these pros you know with basically hockey pucks on their on their uh the palms of their hands and they're you know they're all protective gear they're flying down s turns and and hairpins and and that's one side of it. The other side of it is me, like on a Sunday afternoon, cruising down, you know, the boardwalk uh, with the kids and just having the best time of my life. Wind in my hair, you know, going to get some fish tacos or something. So I, I, 
I mean, I think I've personally been on kind of both sides of that. You know, I think that uh, for me, it's a very much of a soulful experience. Uh, I like that, what I would call soul carving. That's very much what I uh, am, what I am attracted to. I'm not a like balls to the wall speed demon by any means, but we mainly through uh so we have two brands loaded and orangutan being our other brand and orangutan is our wheel brand and it's right now if i do say so it's probably the biggest soft wheel brand in the world in the world and we've used that brand uh to, i mean that brand was a was a big uh, uh influence and stimulus on all the downhill free ride stuff that you see all the videos we did uh we a lot of those videos the, in riding down Malibu and stuff is something that we promoted heavily. Uh, we've also, we were very adamant about safety gear and helmets because like you're saying, it is inherently dangerous. Um, dangerous. Yeah. But the, the boards are built. I mean, they come out of the box built for, for any skill rider. You could be a super legit pro or a Sunday cruiser, it's the same board. That's a, that's a good question because in some sports, I think, and I think it's true in skateboarding on some levels as well, but uh, maybe like in biking as a good analogy. Uh, in bike riding, if you ride a, you know, if you're a road biker, let's say, and you're riding a $3,000 carbon fiber board, a carbon fiber bike, it's quite a bit more engaging and interesting, even for a beginner rider. Then, uh, so I think there is something to the technology, to creating board products that are uh, that are applicable to a wide a wide variety of people. So we do build for the pros, but we also there's certain products where certain downhill products where it really is very much very focused, very niche. Um, but I'd say our average board, we've always tried to go for the gold or platinum standard for the best possible riding experience. Talk about the brand because I think it is very unique. You guys are a you know one of the last great independent board brands, but also you have a mission and and care and love for the environment, and that's also kind of rare. Sure. Uh, well, our our you know our mission as a brand is very much to spread stoke. Uh, and you know I'd say that's first and foremost, and we've that's been clarified over. 20 years and some really amazing people that have come through here. So first and foremost, we're here to just spread stoke externally to um, to really to fuck with people a little bit and have them push back at us, um, if I can say that. Uh, and and uh, and and I, I say that uh, that that informs a lot of the way we we approach and perceive. Uh, our our brand, our brand identity, the types of products we wanted, we build. Uh, we've been very much focused on environmental sustainability from the beginning. Uh, first and foremost, on a individual level, I don't want I want the all our products to be non toxic in uh, the materials we're using. Right now, we've transitioned almost all of our products to bio based uh, epoxies, you know, non toxic. Uh, finishing everything from from start to finish, but it's uh, it's still a work in process. I mean, there's definitely there's still. I'm not going to say that we are green. I don't want to greenwash it by any means, but it's it's very much uh, uh, part of that broader ethos of trying to be uh, to spread stoke. I mean, on on a global level. And I guess, I guess maybe I want to just take the opportunity for the listeners who are 
maybe who have their own brands or are thinking about building a brand. I think this is the major difference and flexibility you have. And let's let's compare it to the case study of Boosted Boards, which is now defunct and out of business, basically. And and that is they had to answer to stakeholders, shareholders, you know, and and perhaps they had to make financial decisions, not ethical or you know value-based decisions um, like you guys are doing. That's one of the benefits, right, to being independent. I mean, yeah. it maybe it's not as profitable as you'd like it to be. Um, caring about the environment using certain materials that don't destroy the earth but at the same time you can look yourself in the mirror wake up in the morning and you sleep really well right <laughs> we made some interesting territory here um yes very much uh you know when it comes down to it is like well, why do we do it i'm definitely feel very blessed to be in the position that i'm at right now and to do what i do and uh it's we talk a lot about internally how the love that we have between us is is experienced and reflected in the products that we put out there um and you know and and that the kind of culture that we're creating and internally is is and the way we're running our business is an experiment is an ongoing experiment uh thankfully a successful one 20 years 20 years deep um but uh you know i do i i do feel very blessed to have been in a position to build this company without any stakeholders, without having to, um, without having to be, I guess, subservient to, to our shareholders and to make decisions. One, one thing that I found that very interesting is I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, so I'm not going to point fingers, but um, working with a number of companies that have, have been in the venture capital world, uh, there tends to be a sense of almost self-righteousness that occurs when you have to uh, when you have to answer to your shareholders in the sense that that's my experience at least in that uh, you make decisions that aren't necessarily based on on your values and ethics and you end up making decisions that uh, I, I just read an interesting article on GE by the way about this that that was the downfall of GE I don't know if you've seen this but how G, how GE you know they were they were the right they were the uh, the original uh, uh, blue what's it called the blue blue chip stock right there is because GE had their fingers in everything and they were so successful but because they were so dependent on their share they were so dependent on hitting uh, hitting the goals that they set out for their shareholders they made decisions I mean I I don't have I I, I speak of this. I don't know that I have a, no, a lot of knowledge of this, but I, I, I've seen this happen a number of times where you make decisions either to retain your power, to hit your goals that aren't necessarily in line with your values. And to be able to remain independent, I think, is is not only it's a virtue, but it's something that's not talked about enough. I appreciate you bringing that up because I think a lot of people uh, see growing a new business, a startup, that that's kind of the necessary steps is to go out to other people, to go out for money. And often it is, often you do need money to make money, obviously. Um, but it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it is finding the right partners is incredibly important if you are gonna find partners. And we've seen that, we've seen those who have made the right decisions and found the right partners, who've given them the leeway to do what's best for the brand We've seen this in uh, one of our competitors uh, over the past few years who uh, they've, they've changed hands a couple times 
And in order to hit the numbers, they had to make some decisions that weren't good for the long-term growth of the brand. And the brand was one of the most, one of the premier brands in our space and has fallen by the wayside because of those kinds of decisions. So it may have worked for a number of years, but we're here and they're not, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's a super valuable lesson. Totally worth um, a lot of in-depth study and reflection. I mean, look at another case study that's very successful. I think Apple is a company that's had a lot of problems, but they've tried to stay true to their core values. And, you know, uh, at this point, they're a trillion dollar company. And, and they're not innocent of bad behavior. There's a lot of bad behavior and terrible things, I'm sure, that are happening. Whether you want to talk about um, the, the labor force in other countries, whether they're underpaid or, um, you know, not treated well. Apple has a lot of problems, but at the, at the same time, to me, they're a standout company that's tried to live their core values. Another, you know, cliche case study would be Nike, right? Nike, again, lots of problems. Um, I'm sure it has its share of hypocrisy, but also, you know, as you think about what a brand stands for, and I guess it's the lesson I'm trying to extract here is when you're building a brand, when you think about your brand, it starts with your core values, your core beliefs. What do we believe in? And then if you could stay that course, um, I think you have a much better chance of success because you know, you're staying true to your instincts. It really comes down to being self-aware of what, what you're trying to accomplish and what your people want. What are your thoughts on that? I think, I think uh, I mean, I agree in general, uh, but I think that there requires a level of flexibility. What I described as our core values about spreading Stoke uh, was not an initial, it was my, it was everyone's initial value coming into this, but it wasn't something that we could clarify or we can, we can state as clearly as I just did. Um, it's something that was something that we developed over time, trying to understand who we were, who we were in and of ourselves and who we were in relationship to our competition, relationship to the broader world, um, has been something that continues to adapt and it's not something I'm locked into. I've just found the most, you know, the most meaning in trying to be a force for good. I mean, and like I said, it's spread, spreading stoke. That's, that's really the broader value. And what that, how's that defined? We do break it down internally quite a bit, but how that's defined is something that's a continu continuous work in process. And, and I agree with you about Apple. It's interesting because I, I had a lot of issues with Apple over the past 20 years personally, just because of, the way they uh, they structure their systems, and um, I, you know, I, I was a big fan of Google for a long time with the whole "don't be evil" approach. But I do feel like as they got so large, I feel like there's probably a lot of, uh, you know, there's clearly a lot of complexity and a lot of uh, self awareness coming from from these big brands. But there's also a level of like having to meet these goals. And to do anything to meet these goals, the kind of absolute power corrupts absolutely uh, uh, nature of it, which is highly unfortunate. But I've I've seen it. I mean, I hate to say say this on the record, but I've been very disappointed by what I've seen from Google um, over the past few years. You know, it's it's they were a huge inspiration for our brand over the years, especially in the early days. Um, actually, a little interesting anecdote. 
when they first came out with Google Shopping, they put our boards there. Marissa Mayer put that our boards there as the first uh, one of the uh, uh, the things you could purchase. But we also what we did is uh, around that same time we put a ban when they first started doing banner ads. We put a banner ad on every page of our website, and we say if you click on this banner, we'll take this money and 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 create product and give it back to the community. And uh, didn't really think through the implications of that. Google got a little upset about that, and they banned us from doing banner ads. That right, rightfully so, but it was, the intentions were pure. So yeah, a little guerrilla marketing there. Yeah, and I, yeah. I was just thinking, you know, I guess, you know, the bigger. I'm thinking of a ship analogy. You know, the bigger the ship, uh, the more distance it requires to make a turn, right? So you've got these giant ships, Google, Apple, Nike, you know, and their North Star, you know, their compass, whatnot, is set to their their true north, which is their core values. But still, you know, to make turns and maneuvers is much more difficult. It takes more time these days. I was talking to... Um, Marty Neumeyer, who's a, an author, probably, you know, he's like one of the pioneers of branding. He's an early, he actually did a lot of design work for Apple, Hewitt Packard, Kodak back in the day. And Marty, you know, has written several books on branding. And he was discussing with me, taking me to school on what a brand is and what it isn't. And he was reminding me, he said, you know, as much as we want to think that we control the brand, we don't. You know, a brand is not your logo. And a brand is not the promotion or advertising. It's not even the awareness that exists because of your company. It's not any of these things. It really A brand is, is really what exists in the hearts and minds of the people who you come in contact with. So at all these touch points, whether it's online buying skateboards or in a board shop picking up you know new trucks and wheels, like this is where your brand is built. And if you have 100 customers, or a million customers, you might have a hundred or a million different like impressions or uh, imp- like perceptions of what your brand is. And so all that you could do is try and live your core values, your core beliefs, so that it aligns with what really people think about you. You know. So, so on that note, interestingly, so we've been thinking about this a lot and talking about this a lot. Um, the way we defined our, the way we presented our brand. Like you're saying, there's there's a million different touch points, but uh, the way we presented our brands over the years was very much of a black box. Like there was a black box, and there was a couple people that would be representative, and those were we tried to like mitigate your touch points over the years. And now I, maybe it's the nature of, of modern social media, um, but it's also nature also where we are uh, in our maturation. I'd say we're 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 looking at the human aspect, like. Who are we? How do we interface directly, all of us individually? And how do we how do we create these channels of interaction between us? And that's been a big focus of our uh, our branding efforts over the past six months, and and very much into the future is how do we take each of us individually and put ourselves out there? Uh, doing this is a case in point. When you're designing, who are you thinking about? Who's the muse? Is there one person? Is it a male, a female? Is it you know like who? How do you design? That's a great question, uh, and that's changed a lot over time. Um, generally, I well, not generally. Uh, uh, the way we design currently is we will have one person internally on our team, possibly two at the maximum, and and myself will get together, and it will be how do we realize your vision? 
Like this, let's let's realize your vision is entirety. Let's not make something that's watered down. Let's not try to hit multiple people. And if it hits, it hits, you know. But if this is something that you really believe in and really care about, a you're going to be ambassador for it. You're going to drive it. So, but also like this is going to be real to what it is. We've had multiple instances where we've had too many cooks in the kitchen on the design level, and nobody ends up happy with with the outgoing product. But Right now, building based on what people are personally passionate about, uh, we've we've been lucky. I don't know if it's because of uh, the, the nature of the, I'd say, wonderful people that we have here, but like we build for ourselves first and foremost. We build for what we want. And if we have someone who really has a clear vision um, of whatever it might be, and I really, you know, we've entered into territories that I was personally uncomfortable with over the years, and that dancing, longboard dancing is a case in point. We had uh, one of our uh, ambassadors, Adam Colton. He uh, was a filmmaker. He was one of the, we, we were the biggest brand on YouTube and the biggest skateboard brands on YouTube in 2006 to probably 2008. And that was, that was first and foremost due to him making all these videos. But he was really into longboard dancing, which is like modern freestyle on these, at that point, 70 inch boards, these huge boards. And I thought it was, Personally, I thought it was kind of kooky and bizarre, but you know, it's something he was passionate about and to like walk through that process with him and build what he wanted. And now it's a, I mean, it's a phenomenon, especially in Europe and Asia, it's starting to happen here in the U S uh, there was a Lexus ad with this, uh, one of these Korean girls who's doing these amazing, uh, boardwalking. Uh, we've got these riders in, in especially, uh, Lotfi Lamali in, uh, in Paris who does, just incredible freestyle tricks and you know there's yeah it's really 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 amazing where that's gone and where it's going and it's 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 dynamic and it's well so there's that flexibility that you're talking about you know to expand the vision or or broaden your horizon in terms of your core values Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i build a lot for myself personally and most of the times that works not always um but it is about finding the right people who really have a clear vision um, of what they're looking for and then working with them. Uh, I was mentioning Mark Rober earlier. I, I took this uh, monthly class with him on uh, uh, on engineering with my daughter. And it's something that I've been employing a lot in my team over the past year uh, about how we do our whole design process, our whole design methodology. And it's, it's a really robust design methodology and it starts on a very high level. What, what is it conceptually that we're looking at? What are we trying to achieve? What are the multiple ways that we can go about it? Not jumping to conclusions. And it's, that's been, it's very, very fun. And even, even since you've been, since you were here last year, um, you know, you first of all, you're always welcome back, but we've made a lot of, a lot of changes here. Uh, and we can, we can build boards from start to finish in three days, effectively about eight hours and about three days we can build from concept to, uh, rideable prototype in-house right now. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's really awesome, actually. So as we sort of round third, come bring it home, um, maybe impart some wisdom to people who are thinking about building a brand, starting a company with a new product or service, kind of, you know, either up-and-comers, side hustlers, or people, you know, wanting to try this for the first time, what advice would you give? Well, um, 
A number of things. It's not romantic, but I would say first and foremost, uh, build a budget and forecast. You know, really understand your numbers, understand your costs. It. Uh, I was very blessed to have my dad help me along through the beginning of the business, uh, but when he passed, I was really forced to kind of make some hard decisions. And at that point, I'd build my first budget, and that's really. I, I'd say that's that's the the keystone of our success is to really understand what our costs are, to really understand. Um, that's, that's, like I said, it's not romantic, it's not exciting, but it really, understanding what the costs are, understanding what, what, how to make this uh, work financially. Have you ever been tempted to take outside money? Uh, numerous times, yeah. We've, we've looked at that quite a bit. But I, I've never wanted to let go of uh, control, um, and I, I've always been scared. I, I wouldn't say no to it. It just would really require, one of the things, as we were talking about earlier, I think it would really require the right partner. Uh, thankfully, we've been in a position where we don't need it, where we've been able to be self-sustaining. But I, I would definitely say that that would be something that I would encourage people to try to achieve, is to be self-sustaining if they can, and not have to go to outside outside money if possible. I'm just curious, this is just me going into fantasy land for a second. So if, if you, Don, could step outside loaded for a month and maybe take two weeks or something to step into the founder CEO role of another brand where would you like to step into to take the helm for a couple of weeks oh that's fascinating um, yeah I've, I've been trying to do a lot of mentoring recently like working with a, a number of startups and trying to help them with their processes particularly with budgeting and uh, the numbers but where would I personally be interested in uh, in, in exploring well there's so many fascinating things right now I'd say right now I'm very I'm continuing to be very interested in electric vehicles. So there's a number of electric vehicle companies that are really Any specifics, me. go out on a limb, tell me the brand you'd like to step into. <laughs> um, well, I definitely want to go to space. I mean, I'm a, uh, I'm um, Jeff Bezos finally uh, he finally uh, validated himself with his desire to go to space by himself. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I definitely have always wanted to go to space. So that's pretty cool. But that's not where, uh, so yeah, maybe Blue Origin. But aside from that, I would say it would be, it would probably be something, uh, I, I'd, you know, it would probably be one of the smaller electric vehicle companies. I'd say, I'd say Trek would be a company that would uh, not, it's not such a small uh, vehicle company by any means. Um, but uh, John Burke has been, uh, is, is, is an inspiration. Um, and the way he runs his company, I would love to do uh, a tutelage under him for a little bit more than running something like that. I'd also love to like be at the helm of a company like, uh, I know it's very much in my space, but something like One Wheel or Super 73 or some of these, those would be super fun to like see where they're at and see what kind of decisions they're making right now and be able to help guide from, you know, from an outside perspective right now. Um, those would be some brands that would inspire me. Um, yeah, other other brands that really inspire me a lot, uh, I, I would say, I mean, obviously, uh, Patagonia has been something. We've had a relationship with them over the years, and uh, they've been a big inspiration for us in terms of both environmental stewardship and also the way they approach their employees and the way they approach their whole, uh, their culture. You know, exemplary brand living their values right like wasn't it 
Patagonia that decided to basically, um, it, what's the brand? Maybe I've got it wrong. But they did something where they like said, we're not working on Black Fridays anymore or something that like was, that. That was, that, was, that was Patagonia. Yeah, that was Patagonia. Uh, REI did it as well. But both of them did. You know, we're paying for uh, we're paying for our employees not to work uh, on on Black Friday. Very much putting their money where their mouth was. I mean, we were just sitting back, you know, <laughs> chopping it up, reminiscing about the good old days and all that. <laughs> you know, tracking my roots, where I came from, and where I'm going. But like I say, man. Always said it. It's not about the destination. It's all about the journey. Ain't nothing changed but the weather. The dangling carrot it hang from the rear view.